So uh, we, like to, we like to pride ourselves in, in taking action. Uh, to, to be honest with you here at Grace, we, uh, we like to be the hands and feet of Jesus. All right? I, I personally think there's, there's too much talk and not enough action. So we're trying to, to ch- change that, to flip that, and to take more action and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting and broken world. And this Christmas Eve, um, we plan to have three Christmas Eve services. We, ha- we plan to have one at 2 o'clock. 3.30 and 5 p.m. And uh, even if this pandemic that we're in causes us to make some changes, uh, we will celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ somehow, some way, okay? So, so mark that down. We will celebrate the birth of Jesus even if, if there needs to be cha- changes to that plan. But right now our plan is to move forward with three services on Christmas Eve. And at each service this Christmas Eve, we're going to be taking a special offering that we call the Hope Offering. We've done this, uh, this will be our fourth year now that we've done this, and we have raised um, thousands and thousands of dollars to help people inside Grace Church and outside of Grace Church um, that have needs. And, and we've used this money to, to meet people's medical bills, to, to help them pay rent, to put gas in their tank, to just help people that are going through difficult seasons of life. And the idea is, is when people are facing dark times, we can come in and bring a little light. And we can come and bring some hope to hopeless situations. And God has really blessed our efforts in doing this. And so in my mind, I'm like, hey, it's been working. Let's keep doing it, all right? Um, let's, let's keep doing what God is blessing. And so at each of the Christmas Eve services, we're going to be taking this special um, hope offering. And we are praying and trusting God um, to raise over $40,000. That's our goal. That's what we're praying and asking God for. And so we just wanted to give you a heads up that this is coming, and we just want to ask you to uh, you know, to pray and seek the Lord and say, man, what would the Lord have you give towards this offering? Also, starting next Sunday, December 6th, we're going to be starting a brand new message series. We're going to be taking a little time out from the uh, book of Joshua. We're going to pick up Joshua in the new year. But we're going to be starting a new series next Sunday called Joy to the World. And we're going to be using the words from Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And Jesus actually said these things right before he ascended up into heaven. He had just conquered death, hell, Satan, and the grave. And he was about to ascend back up into heaven. And he was speaking these words to you and I. And he said this, In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And uh, So during the month of December, we're going to be unpacking that verse, and we're going to be learning and, and just reminding ourselves that Jesus really is the joy to the world. He is the one that brings hope to the world. Um, He is the one that brings salvation. And so we're going to be focusing on that and unpacking that one verse. There's so much in here for us to learn and um, helping us to understand like, man, what is, what is our responsibility in taking the gospel to the world around us? And so um, wanted to let you know about those couple things. And uh, we're going to dive into the message this morning. Today we're in part four of the book of Joshua. And let me just remind you of kind of the context, what's going on in this story. Um, in, in Joshua chapter 6, uh, Israel had just experienced a great victory. Uh, they had just seen the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, and uh, they experienced an incredible victory. And 
Um, not long after that victory, as a matter of fact, all you have to do is turn the page. Okay, The very next chapter, they experience a devastating defeat. And I don't know if it's um, because of pride or arrogance that um, you know, in a, in a victory that they experienced, but just very quickly after that victory, they experienced a defeat. And experiencing defeat is always difficult, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever met somebody that says, man, I love to get my butt kicked, man. I just love it. It's like I just crave it, you know? Like, I just, I just want to get defeated. Like, I don't know anybody that has ever said that or thought that way. You know, the sports team that loses a game, it's just not any fun or you know, the, the one that loses out on the job promotion that they've been working hard towards and that they were hoping for and they, they just lose out in that opportunity. Or maybe it's, it's the one that has to put a closed sign in the window of their business that they have been pouring years and years of effort and blood and sweat and tears into making this business succeed and now they have to put a closed sign in the window because they're closing for good. I mean, that, that feeling of defeat is not a pleasant one. It's not enjoyable. But the reality is, experiencing defeat for many people can knock them out for good. There's a lot of people that don't bounce back from defeat very well. They can stay down and they can stay out. But the reality is, is every single one of us are going to experience loss. Every single one of us are going to experience defeat. It's called life. It happens to every single one of us. But in that defeat, we have to be careful because the lies of the evil one will try to come into play. Let me just let you in on a little strategy of the enemy. Okay, The enemy wants to destroy your life, wants to destroy your marriages, wants to destroy your families, your business. So let me let you in on the strategy of the enemy. The enemy has been uh, implementing this strategy throughout all of history. And that is this. The enemy will try to do his very best to get you to think that you are the only one who has experienced defeat. The enemy will try to get you to think that you are the only one who struggles with this certain temptation that you have. Or like the sin that you are continually struggling with. You're the only one who struggles with that. You're the only one who feels the way that you do. The enemy will say, man, there's no one that can relate to you because you're the only one who's feeling this way or battling this uh, hardship or this struggle. You're the only one. He wants you to feel alone and afraid. That's the strategy of the enemy. If he can get you feeling alone and afraid, he he wants to single you out. This was true for the Israelites back in Joshua's day, and it's true for us today. Back in Joshua chapter 6, once again, the nation of Israel had just experienced a, really it was a miraculous victory. I mean, the way that that Jericho was defeated was, was truly miraculous. And it was a great victory defeating the city of Jericho. But not long after that victory, they experienced defeat. And what happened was, is uh, Joshua sent some spies to a city called Ai. And it was a city that was kind of up in the mountains. 
And he sent some spies to go spy it out because they're going into the promised land, this land that God had promised them, and they're going to conquer the enemies that stand in their way. The spies came back to Joshua, and they said, Joshua, this town, Ai, is, is not very big. Um, <clears throat> I think we, sh- we could just send a, a couple thousand men up there, and we're just going to defeat this city, and uh, we can move on with, with uh, our conquest of the promised land. So Joshua listened to the spies, and he, uh, he sent only 3,000 men from Israel to the city of Ai, and they were soundly defeated. They got their butts kicked, okay? And I don't know, once again, if it was pride, like, man, we just destroyed this mighty city of Jericho, and now we're going to go fight this little city of Ai, and, and let's just send uh, 3,000 men, and let's just... Uh, Kind of flick them off the map and we'll move on. But this defeat, when Ai defeated these 3,000 men from Israel, this paralyzed the whole nation of Israel with great fear and they lost all the courage that they had. Isn't it crazy how quickly courage can just melt away? I mean, people can lose courage and confidence so fast. How quickly... It's crazy how quickly we can forget what God has done in our lives or the victories that we've experienced in our lives or the miraculous things that God has done in our lives. And I think this is one thing that has plagued the human race throughout all of history. And I think that plague or that curse, you could say, is a short memory. I think the human race has been very quick to forget and to lose sight of its past we all have a tendency to forget the victories on our lives. And what we do is we hyper-focus on everything that is not going right. We hyper-focus on the defeats. And we forget about the victories. You know, maybe it was a failed marriage in your past. And you've been so crushed by that defeat that um, you are, you're going to lock your heart up. I mean, you've put chains and big old padlocks on it, and you are not going to open up your heart again because you were so defeated in your previous marriage that you are not letting anyone else in, and you're not going to let anything out of your heart. Maybe it was a failed business. Maybe you had to put a closed sign on on the window, but now you're afraid to take a risk again because you always remember how that previous business failed, and so you're You're unwilling to step out in faith and take another risk because of past failures. Maybe it was a friendship that failed. Like, man, you trusted this friend and you experienced some betrayal and now you're not going to trust anyone again. Like, you've gone to the extreme. You've gone to this really unhealthy place where it's like, man, I I trusted people. They they let me down. So I'm not going to trust anybody. Maybe it's failed attempts at getting healthy. Come on, you knew I had to throw this in here. I mean, we're just coming out of Thanksgiving, all right? This is for me as much as it is for you, all right? Maybe you have tried every diet out there, and you have failed at every attempt to get your health on track, and so now you're just going to let your health just go to pot. Like, you're going to just let it go away. You're not focused on it because you feel like a failure every time you don't succeed in a diet Maybe maybe you've tried this God stuff before. 
Maybe you're sitting here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you're like, man, I, I've tried church and I actually had a really bad experience. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I've, I've actually been hurt really bad by religious people. And you know what? I'm, I'm not ever going back there. I'm not ever going to give them a chance again. Maybe you feel like your attempt to live for God or to have a relationship with God, maybe you feel like that attempt was a failure. You see, failure, defeat, mistakes, imperfection, they're all a part of life. We all have imperfections. We all have things that we've attempted and failed at, things that we've been defeated in. It's it's called life. You will experience these things in your life. But you know what? That's what makes the story of God so unique. That's what makes the story of God so beautiful because in Christ, we have something called grace. In Christ, we have something called forgiveness. In Christ, we have something called mercy. You see, one of the most admirable qualities in the lives of God's people is their willingness and their determination to get back up after a defeat and to go and live again. I mean, that's what we're inspired by, right? That's the stories we like to read. Those are the books that we like to read. Stories about people who were defeated and they didn't quit and they got back up and they tried again. Those stories inspire us. Those stories keep us moving forward. We do fail. We will experience defeat. And when we fail, it's time to try again. We have to rise up. We have to stand back up. We can't stay down. Joshua teaches us three principles to go from defeat to victory. Like, how do we do this? How do we go from being so crushed, so uh, defeated, to actually walking in victory in confidence again and having our hope restored? How do we do this? If you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you to write these things down. And I'm, I'm pulling these ideas out from uh, Joshua chapter 8. But the first thing is, is you need to follow God's plan. Follow God's plan. Let's look at verse 1 of Joshua chapter 8. Now remember, they had just experienced a horrible defeat. Okay, And this wasn't, I mean, <clears throat> any kind of defeat is bad, but this just wasn't like losing a game or losing a business or losing a relationship. I mean, people literally died in this defeat that Israel experienced. The nation was completely discour- discouraged, fearful. Joshua 8 and verse 1 The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Now remember in part one of Joshua, we we learned that Joshua struggled. He had some insecurities. He struggled with fear. He was often discouraged. And he's viewed as as an incredible leader, like a mighty warrior, a mighty leader. But even this strong leader struggled with fear, struggled with discouragement. And multiple times in Joshua chapter 1, God had to remind him, hey, be strong and courageous. But here we see again, God is reminding him. It's almost like he's saying, hey, Joshua, hey, hey, pay attention, focus. I know there's lots of noise right now. There's things that, you know, could get you looking this way or that way. But hey, stay focused on me. 
Listen, Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all of your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho its king, and its king. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And when I was reading this, um, these two verses right here, something really jumped out at me, and it's something I want to share with you this morning. I want you to notice that God is sending them right back to the place where they experienced their defeat. God is sending them right back to the place where they were crushed, where they got their butts kicked. And he's saying, I want you to go right back to that place where you were defeated, and I want you this time to taste victory in the power of Jesus Christ. The Lord could be saying to you this morning, do not be afraid or discouraged. And the Lord may be saying to you this morning, you know what, you may need to go back to that place of defeat and experience, of defeat and, and, and where you of discouragement rather and experience victory this time through the power of Christ. Once again, it may be that failed marriage and you've you've locked up your heart so tight that nothing's getting in, nothing's going to come out, but God is saying, hey, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. Like, hey man, you're going to take, you're going to need to take those chains off of your heart and you're going to You're going to have to take a big step of faith and it is going to take some courage and you're going to have to walk through some fear, but you're going to have to open up your heart again so that you can experience love again. Man, it may be that failed business and God's saying, hey, I know your business failed, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. My gosh, it was just your business, but man, you you have all kinds of creative ideas and man, you... You need to actually step out in faith again and you need to try to start another business. God may be saying that to you this morning. It may be in your faith. Or maybe you were stung by a past church or by religious people and God is saying, hey man, I'm sorry for that experience, but hey, that's not me. I didn't hurt you. Hey, don't reject me. Remember, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. But Hey, you need to open up your heart again to God's people. Yes, there's a bunch of hypocrites out there. <laughs> there's a bunch of religious people who are just playing the game. But there's also a bunch of genuine, real, Jesus-loving people who care about you and your family and what, what's really going on in your life. Like, hey, you're going to have to open up your heart again. How do we do this, though, you know? How do we do this? I think... God gave Joshua the answers right at the very beginning. I think in order to do this, we cannot live in fear. The Israelites were living in fear because of their defeat. The people were hesitant to continue their attempt to capture the promised land because they had lost in battle. Their failure caused them to to have a lack of confidence, a lack of courage. But God gave them a plan and So here, just quickly, you can read this in Joshua chapter 8, but God um, gave Joshua the ideas of how to defeat Ai. And so what they did is they took all of the army of Israel, but they split them up into two groups. One was a smaller group, one was a bigger group. They sent the bigger group 
in behind the city of Ai. And the smaller group went right to the front gates of the city. This is the way they had attacked them the first time and got defeated. So the army of Ai saw the Israelites coming, the smaller group, and they're like, oh, here they come again, bunch of clowns. We're going to destroy them for good this time. So they open the gates and they start to charge. This smaller group starts to run like they're running for their lives, and the whole army of Ai goes after them. So now the city is defenseless. When they chase after the children of Israel, the smaller army, the big army that was in waiting, they go and just destroy the city. They conquer the city. The idea is this. that The nation of Israel went back to the place where they experienced their, their biggest defeat. And God gave them victory. And when you read <clears throat> Joshua chapter 7, Joshua chapter 8, and there was what needed to take place was some confession of sin. They needed to get their hearts right back with God. Um, but when they confessed their sins and they learned from their failures, they were able to stand up in renewed power and renewed strength. And they were able to turn a defeat into victory. But they couldn't live in fear to do that. In order to conquer Ai, they had to walk through some fears and go back to the place where they were defeated. Secondly, in order to turn uh, defeat into victory, you cannot live in discouragement. Like Sometimes when people get knocked down in this place of discouragement, some of us, and I'm going to confess, I've done this sometimes, some of us like to just roll around in that discouragement. We like to lather up with it, and we're like, man, I love Discourageville, you know? Like, I just want to stay here for a while in this land of discouragement. And we just stay, and we waller around, and we're just in this place of discouragement. Now, <clears throat> I, I am not trying to make this too simplified, but the reality is the feeling of discouragement is really powerful. But it's just a feeling, and feelings are not facts. And in order to rise out of that land of discouragement, it takes a choice. Like you have to make a decision. Like I am not going to live in this land of discouragement. I'm going to focus my mind on the things above. I'm going to focus my mind on the things of God. And I'm going to make some decisions to walk out of this land into a land of victory, into a land of hope, into a land of peace. Remember, Israel, I mean, they were crushed by this failure, this defeat. And God had to remind them, hey, <clears throat> I know you were defeated, but if you follow my plan, we're going to experience victory. And he instructed them to go back to Ai. They defeated Ai. And they stepped out of their discouragement. They stepped out of their fear. And they experienced the victory of God in their life. So we need to follow God's plan. And we need to make some choices to move out of discouragement. So don't live in fear. Don't live in discouragement. Secondly, I think in order to move from defeat to victory, <clears throat> after Israel experienced the victory of Ai, they took some time to reflect and to give thanks. So after the victory of Ai, the Israelites, <clears throat> they took a 30-mile journey 
to a place called Shechem. And it's a, it's a beautiful valley in the area of Palestine. And it's actually about two miles wide, this valley. And on either side of the valley are two mountains. Um, the, on one side is the mountain of Ebal. It's like a rugged, kind of rocky mountain. And on the other side is a wooded, beautiful mountain. It's called uh, Gerizim. And they actually stopped in this valley, and Joshua led the nation of Israel in worshiping the Lord. But what they did is they took some time to reflect. And I just want to take a quick moment to say, I, I think we as a society, we as a culture, are really bad at this. I think our lives move so fast that we never stop to say, wow, I think that was an important moment in my life that I just experienced. And I think I actually need to stop and think about it for a minute and learn something. But our lives are going so fast, we don't ever do that. And Joshua took the time to say, hey, <clears throat> we need to learn some things from what we just did. And they took some time to reflect. And they experienced on the victory of Jericho. They reflected on the defeat of Ai. And then they reflected on the victory at Ai. And then we see Joshua, he led the nation in giving thanks to God. So they not only reflected and learned, but they took time to give thanks. And, and we just came out of a holiday where we did this. But I guess my encouragement to us as a church this morning, to those of you that are watching online, let's not just do this one day a year, okay? Man, let's have a thankful heart. Let's have a thankful mindset every day of the year. So Joshua led the people of God in worship and they built an altar and they offered sacrifices as a sign of thankfulness to God and they gave God praise and they thanked Him for the victory that they had given Him, that He had given Him. And so I just want to remind us, when you experience victory in your life and things are just going right, man, make sure you give credit to God. Make sure you thank Jesus Christ because He's the one that's given you the air that you breathe. He's the one that's given you the abilities that you have. Make sure you give the credit to whom credit is due. And then thirdly, this morning, I think what we learn from Joshua, chapter 7 and 8, is they also had, during this time in the valley of Shechem, they renewed their commitment. So they had a time where they said, okay, <clears throat> we had a great victory at Jericho. We, we got our butts kicked at Ai, and then we went back and God gave us victory. But what happened in that victory and defeat was is we got distracted and we went away from the ways of God. And so Joshua said, hey, you need to renew your commitment to the ways of God. You need to renew your commitment. In verse 32 of Joshua chapter 8, he copied on the stones the law of Moses, and then he read it to all the people. This was a symbol of their renewed commitment. And, and so I want to give us some ideas. Like when I say renewed commitment, some of us might be like, what does that mean? That's kind of confusing. So I'm going to try to make it as simple as I know how. But renewing your commitment to God looks like this. First of all, it's a renewed commitment to his word. So Joshua said, hey guys, we got to focus on God's word. And he read the scriptures to the nation of Israel. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning, like you need to renew your commitment to spending time in God's word. And I know this book 
The Holy Bible can be intimidating. It's kind of a big book. It's like, where do you even begin? And so we've done this in the past. It's been really successful. And so we're going to do it again. But I'm going to lead us and encourage us to take a 31-day challenge. All right? So you as an individual, as a family, starting December 1st, for the whole month of December, we're going to commit as, as individuals and as a church body to be in the Scriptures every day for 31 days. All right? Take a 31-day challenge to be in God's Word and just watch how God's Word will minister to you and speak to you and help you with your decision-making and help make your path straight. You can, you can uh, do a 31-day reading plan on the, on the YouVersion Bible app. Um, I was looking just the other day, and there's a lot of 31-day plans. You can read the book of Proverbs. It has 31 chapters in it. It's the book of wisdom. Um, you could come up with your own 31-day reading plan, all right? But I just want to encourage us, starting December 1st, of course you can start before that, <laughs> all right? But starting December 1st, just collectively as a church, we're going to spend 31 days in God's Word together. When you're reading in the mornings or afternoons or evenings, whatever time is best for you, you know that, man, there's a bunch of other people that are reading God's Word with you. Second, Renewing your commitment looks like a renewed commitment to prayer. And I just quickly want to remind us that prayer is, is not just talking to God or kind of giving God our wish list for Christmas, you know, asking Him for everything. Prayer is also listening and actually hearing from God. And what happens is, is when you read the Bible and when you pray, they go hand in hand. They work really good together. And sometimes even praying Scripture is awesome. Like you can read a section of Scripture and then you pray that section of Scripture. It works really, really good. So let's commit to spend 31 days in the Scriptures and let's also be in prayer those 31 days. I think, I think that would be awesome. And Let me just give you a couple quick ideas when it comes to prayer. I'm, I'm the first to say when I start praying... I start thinking about everything I have to do at work and, um, you know, our, my family's schedules and, um, you know, this and that. And sometimes I get so distracted. But let me give you just a couple ideas of what you can pray for. Um, once again, you can pray the scriptures you read. You can pray for your family. And lift up, lift up people in your family by name and think about what's going on in their world. And pray for them specifically. Um, you can give adoration and worship to God. So sometimes uh, I keep a journal, and uh, it's a man journal, by the way, all right, if you were wondering, all right? <laughs> but I, I just write down how awesome God is. So I think about God. Like sometimes I think we need to think about God more often. Like, man, God, who are you? Like how powerful are you really? Like, and I just adore him for how cool he is and how awesome he is. And then I take some time to give thanks to God, so I, I'll write down. like, And it helps my mind to think about what's going right in my life instead of everything that's going wrong. So I'll start thanking him for, man, ah, life and my beautiful bride and my boys and my friends and my church and my job. And man, we have food in our refrigerator and we have a fireplace that I can turn on with the touch of a button, you know, it's awesome, and you know, just stuff like that, 
(laughs) You can also confess sin in your prayer. Like there's times where God has exposed things in my life that's not right, and man, I confess it to Him and try to make it right with Him. Man, just spending time in God's Word and spending time in prayer. And then lastly, I think renewing your commitment looks like a renewed commitment to God's people and to His church. Now, I know this one can kind of be a tough one because some people have had bad experiences, once again, with God's people and His church. But what if for the whole month of December we were actually very intentional at making God's people a priority? And it's not just Sunday morning church, okay? That's important. But what if we were very intentional of like, man, there's a, there's a person I met at church and I've been wanting to connect with him or her and I'm just going to ask him to go to coffee. Or I'm going to have him over to the house. And, or, hey, you can, I mean, if you're in a place, you know, where you're concerned about kind of physical gatherings, you can connect online. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can still connect. But the idea is this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Like, who you hang around is going to influence who you become. If you hang around people that are always dragging you down, and they're always gossiping behind your back, and they're always just, you know, they're not really for you, that's not good for you. But if you're hanging around people who, and they put a pep in your step, they lift you up, they're praying for you, they genuinely care about you, man, that's, that's going to obviously lead you in a different way, a good way. And what if we made intentional decisions to spend time with people who encourage you, pray for you, people who will walk through hard times with you? But you, you might be sitting here and you might be watching and you might say, Justin, I've tried that before, man. I tried the whole church thing. I tried, you know, connecting with religious people and they let me down and I felt judged and I felt condemned and I first of all want to say, man, I'm sorry that you experienced that. And I have to agree with you, there are a whole bunch of religious hypocrites that are out there. But once again, for every religious hypocrite, there is a genuine Jesus-loving follower who man, is in it for the right reasons. They're not perfect, but man, they're trying. And they're, they're trying to love God and to love people well. But the idea is this. You may have had a bad experience in your marriage, in your business, with a friend, but I've been encouraging you to get back up and try those again, right? Why, why couldn't it be the same with church? Just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean it's all bad. And I think God is saying, hey, that bad experience wasn't with me. I wasn't the one who hurt you. So, hey, don't, don't leave me in the dust. By the way, our focus here at Grace Church is to love God and to love people well. Like We want to be really good at that. And on that note, I, I actually came across a little story online this past week, and it actually, it was one of those stories that, you know, it hits you. I'm like, man, I just got to share this, and I hope it has a positive effect for you as well. But I think it helps uh, the point to hit home a little bit more. Here's the story. It says, one day a man decided to go to church. During the service, he forgot to turn off his phone. And right during a time of prayer, his phone rang. And the pastor scolded him. And he could feel all the stares 
of all the annoyed worshipers who uh, were annoyed because their silence was interrupted. And on the way home, his wife lectured him on being so careless, like, how could you not turn off your phone? My gosh. And inside, all he could feel was shame and embarrassment. He was humiliated. And after all of this, he decided to never step foot in a church again. That evening, he decided to go to a bar. He was still a little nervous. He was kind of, you know, trembling even a little from his experience at church. and So much so that he accidentally spilled his drink on the table. And the waitress expressed her concern and she hurried to get some napkins and a rag so he could clean himself up. And the bartender grabbed a mop and cleaned up the floor and the owner of the bar offered him a complimentary drink. She also gave him a hug and said, don't worry about a thing. Who doesn't make mistakes? He hasn't stopped going to that bar ever since. You know, in order to move from defeat to victory, we have to, we have to make some decisions to renew our minds, to renew our hearts. And once again, I, I believe personally the best way to do this is through a good spiritual diet, and that is time in God's Word, time conversing and, and relating with God through prayer, and then time with God's people. So I, I want to encourage you to renew those commitments this morning. And I pray and I trust that it's going to benefit you in your life tremendously. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the lessons and the encouragement from Joshua. And I know that there may be some watching online, some that are here in person, that, Lord, you're, you're speaking to them. Right now, you're stirring in their heart because they, they may have to go back to a place where they experienced defeat. And in order to go back to that place, they're going to have to take an incredible step of faith. They're going to have to walk through some fear. But Lord, you're going to give them the victory through Christ. Lord, I pray that they would only move, they would only take those steps as you lead them to do so. And God, I just pray that you would help those that are renewing some commitments today. I pray that people would make the decision individually and as a family, hey, we're going to take this 31-day challenge and for the whole month of December, we're going we're to spend some time in God's Word every day. We're going to be in prayer every day. I'm going to do things that I've never done before, like maybe invite someone to coffee and just say, hey, can I tell you my story? I'd love to hear your story. We just connect with God's people. And I just pray that this next month ahead of us would be an incredible time of unity and encouragement for Grace Church. God, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.